Empowered Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about my favorite topic. Well, one of my favorite topics, my sort of main activity, which is astrology. Because I want to present just a few basic ideas that I've learned from my main teacher, Stephen Forrest. I think I'm going to do a three or four part series on how to think about the symbols of astrology, just for laymen, just to sort of unlearn whatever blocks you have about astrology, thinking it's too complicated or it's just too esoteric or it's this, it's personality description, and that's what it is. Because none of what you think astrology is, is what it is. I can almost guarantee that. I mean, if you're an astrologer, what you think astrology is, is what it is. But if you're used to reading your horoscope, or if you've had your natal chart read, or if you think astrology is BS, everything you think astrology is, is probably not what it actually is. I'm going to start with why I love astrology. And one of the primary reasons I love astrology is because it's the study of diversity. And it's a system which allows us to really appreciate all of the diversity on this planet, all of the diversity of expression and emotion and thought patterns and preferences and weirdnesses and abilities, all these, all our different strengths and weaknesses. It takes into account a very full whole picture of what it is to be a human being. So that's probably the first reason I love it. It allows anyone who studies it, anyone who uses astrology, the ability to appreciate difference. And good Lord, is that important these days. So that's number one. We can appreciate difference. We can understand our own foibles and mistakes, learning curves, in a context of compassion and put it in a a larger context of why we're learning these things. So that's one. And that is how a lot of people use astrology. The other reason is, is because human beings thrive with, let's see, I'd say what we're going for is uh, transformation. Actually, this is wild. I didn't realize not everybody was going for transformation. I need to look this study up. But there is a book I was listening to called Stealing Fire. And this book had in it so many fascinating tidbits. See, here I am going off on my windy tangent away from my original topic, but I do have a point. The point is, is there there was a study quoted in this book. Of course, I don't remember the name. I'll link the book. You can listen. I really highly recommend listening to it, although I think I'm going to order a copy and read it as well. There was a study by some probably Harvard scientists who did a longitudinal study of adults. And over time, he found that a portion of adults kept growing, their their happiness increased. I think I'm butchering this study. The bottom line is his findings were that not all adults are invested in self-transformation. Not all adults are making an effort towards self-transformation, at which point I had to pause and stop the book and fall off my seat. Because I thought everyone was interested in self-transformation, but apparently not everybody is interested or actively seeking self-transformation. So me being a self-improvement junkie, I found this fascinating. This is a perfect example of a bubble or preaching to the choir because everybody I'm surrounded with is interested in self-transformation. I guess that's not the whole world. So why I even bring that up is that human beings are incredibly invested in innovation, 
in change, in unique new ways of doing old things in order to grow. So we're interested in self-transformation and growth and innovation. And there are two qualities that are behind most innovation that's required in order to see possibility. One is optimism and the other one is creativity. So we have to be optimistic and have a positive outlook and um, be creative thinkers. What I've found is astrology is one of these amazing tools that we have. It's not the only one, but it's an incredible tool for giving us a much more positive outlook on our life and giving us a context for maybe your life isn't going so great. Sometimes life kind of sucks and it's difficult and there are these challenges. And sometimes we have to know that there's a larger why that is positive. And there always is. Astrology reveals a whole set of questions that we might be asking ourselves. Astrology helps us be more optimistic about our life. At least evolutionary astrology does. I can't speak to the folks using words like malefic. Every sentence or hard aspect. You know, there are people who use astrology in a way that I find to be very negative. So I'm not really addressing that kind of astrology. Not that it can't be true, just that there is a way of using astrology that brings in a lot more free will. It points to a lot more opportunity to exercise our free will. And so that is more psychological astrology. That's more soul, heart-centered astrology, which I find evolutionary astrology to be in that category. So when I'm talking about astrology, I'm talking about the astrology that I know, which is evolutionary astrology. I don't know the other forms too well. I know about them, but I'm not an expert in them. And I'm barely an expert in this. I've got probably 10 more years to go before I'm an actual expert in evolutionary astrology. Okay, so we turn to astrology for a compassionate outlook, for more optimism, for more possibility, to see more possibility, and to ask creative questions and see things in new creative ways. So an astrology chart, or whether it's a natal reading, a chart of a moment, or of any moment, a moment you're born, a moment, anytime you see one of those astrology wheels, the circle with all the pie pieces and all the planets sprinkled around all the signs throughout all these areas of life. Each pie piece is an area of life. This is sort of a picture of like a schoolhouse. And each one of the planets is a teacher. Actually, all of the symbols in in a chart are teachers. The wonderful thing about astrology and using it whether it's on a daily basis or a weekly basis or a monthly basis, is that you always have teachers. And when you have teachers, you see more possibilities. We learn through life experiences and we learn from other people. And so the planets in the sky are like other people that are teaching us. There is always a teacher. Every moment is a teacher. So astrology gives us an opportunity to plug back in to learn something new. And we can do it voluntarily anytime and see things that we didn't see before we looked to astrology. I think I'll give you a lay of the land of the houses, which is actually kind of funny that I'm doing it today because houses, the idea of houses in astrology, it's not the house you live in, it's the areas of life, like the little pie pieces in that circle. 
numbered one through 12. There are 12 areas of life. And houses are really a hot topic in the astrology world right now. There's a gigantic argument going on about two different kinds of ways that human beings have figured out in terms of dividing the sky into sections and making making meaning out of separating the sky into segments. And there's a huge, intense argument about it, but I'm gonna talk about it. The houses in a chart are areas of life, ways we learn, places we learn. So if the planets are teachers, they each have their own little schoolroom. So each one of those 12 pie pieces is like a schoolroom. You're going to go to social studies for this room, and then you walk down the hall and you go to the math in the other room, and then you walk down the hall and you have PE in that giant room. So each one of those 12 pie segments indicates a different schoolroom. And when a teacher visits that schoolroom, a planet visits that schoolroom, we're going to learn from that teacher in the way that teacher thinks, and we're going to learn it. We're going to go to that particular schoolroom and learn. So how do we learn? All right, starting with the first house, which is the one on the left of the chart underneath that main horizon line labeled number one. This is about our life. This is about our body. This is about our material experience, our tangible, real-world, physical experience. It's where we initiate things. We start new things. We can come out into the world. It's an action-based house. So that's the first house. Then we have the second house, and we're going to go around counterclockwise. The second house or schoolroom is our, it's about our sensory experience. It moves from like our physicality to more like our senses. And it's also about resources. A lot of times we learn about having enough in this house. If we have enough money, if we have enough to pay rent, if we have enough self-esteem, it's kind of the house of enoughness. This house can be a place where we have to prove ourselves. So that's the second house. The third house is about our mind. But not like the big stretchy sort of meaning of life philosophical mind. It's about basic inquiry. It's the curious mind. It's a, it's young. It's a young, busy, intellectually stimulated part of us that needs to ask why, what, how. It wants to understand, but may not stay on a topic long enough to actually understand it. The third house is speaking to experiences where we get a lot of data. It also can have to do with short trips, but I'm not going to go into all the meetings, but I just want to talk about what we're learning in each house from these when teachers visit these houses. So the third house is where we're learning about, we're learning, period, we're learning. The fourth house is our family. about our bonded relationships, our close, intimate family connections. And we're learning about home. And we might be learning about our inner home, our kind of inner inner self, inner psyche, sort of a soul, soul learning. The fifth house is where we learn about creativity. We learn about self-expression and opening our hearts and being spontaneous and the magic of being childlike and playful. We learn about pleasure. The sixth house is where we learn about our place in a hierarchy. We learn, well, again, we could just say we learn, period. It's about where we learn about our health. We learn about things like 
daily ritual, about routine, about habits, about humility. We learn how to be useful in the sixth house. We learn how to be of service. The seventh house is where we learn about relationships. We learn about trust. We learn about equal relationships. We learn to look into a partner's eyes and trust. The eighth house, we learn about merging resources. We learn about intimacy with another human being. We learn about deepening that trust. We learn about things that are harder to look at in ourselves, things that get brushed under the rug or hidden in a closet. When a teacher comes to the eighth house, we learn more about the hush-hush parts of life. It's called the house of sex, death, and the occult. So the eighth house is about all the things that we don't love talking about openly all the time, things that make us a little uncomfortable. So when a teacher visits the eighth house, we're going to have to learn a little bit more about those topics, those themes. We usually have to look at something that's a little edgy. And it, it's actually, it's very, it can be a very transformative house to have powerful teachers in. Remember, teachers are planets. And not just in, they can be aspecting. They can be making a geometric relationship to that house too, to learn. So you could have, well, I don't want to get too complicated. Okay, the ninth house, I'll just keep going. So the ninth house is about higher learning. So we're learning more on a graduate level. If the third house was about just data and information and sort of more youthful, lighter learning. The ninth house is about taking all of that information and putting meaning to it, sort of putting it into some order and shape and coming up with like a belief system based on that information. It's also often about travel, but travel can be very metaphorical. The ninth house is about mind-stretching experiences. It's a house that signifies things like really getting out there and potentially being touched by unfamiliar experiences or events that stretch the limits of your belief. So the ninth is about stretching the mind. The third house was about stuffing your mind and also speaking and talking and communicating. The ninth house is about putting some gravitas to it and having a worldview. It's also about, it can be about religion. So it has a very religious flavor and we can be religious about anything. It doesn't have to be just about religion. You can be religious about diet. It's about beliefs. So the ninth is where we got to get some beliefs and, and develop some faith. The 10th house is often just referred to as the house of career but it's where we learn about our mission and our calling. It's where we impact people that we don't know. It's where we have a role in the world. So we learn more when teachers come to that schoolroom, we learn about our role and our mission and we get to stretch ourselves into it more. We get opportunities to step into the world and maybe impact people that we don't know. And that doesn't have to be a grand event. It can just be, hmm, it could be, you know, I, I could imagine that a 10th house scenario where that's not grand yet very impactful. Imagine someone who's had a really, really, really horrible day and they're checking you out at the grocery store and maybe you notice that they have a great smile or that they helped you out and went the extra mile and so you gave them a wonderful compliment that was sincere and you touched them in a way that lifted their spirits. That would be a 10th house interaction where you impact and you played a role that impacted somebody you didn't know. I don't know if that's a weird example, but it is 
an example for how you may not know that you're acting out a 10th house event. So suffice it to be to say that the 10th house is often our career and our mission in life and or your mission because your mission might not be your career. This 11th house is where we learn about our tribe, our friends and allies. We make goals in the 11th house. We we sort of make long-term goals and we surround ourselves with people who can help us reach them. So we learn about our support systems. We learn about the power of community and forming a good community. And then the 12th house is where we learn about the transcendent qualities of life. We dive into the unconscious. We often go through on like unconscious processes like meditation or could be anything, art practices a long hike, listening to music, anything that kind of takes you out of normal conscious processes and allows you to transcend your ego or transcend current reality and understand, not understand, but contact a different wisdom than contact wisdom. How about that? Just contact wisdom with a capital W. Go beyond your intellect. The 12th house is where we surrender to. We learn about letting go and surrender part of diving into unconscious processes. That's probably the main theme of the 12th house is learning about surrender and letting go. Sometimes we experience some loss when teachers come to the 12th house or aspect of the 12th house. So that's the areas of life. I hope that's interesting and helpful and helps you understand the houses. In my next podcast, I think think I'm going to talk about the planets a little bit because those are the teachers that are visiting the houses. And then after that, I'm going to talk about the signs, which are, it's kind of like the style of the school. So the houses are the areas of life. And oh, what I also want to tell you is that why this system is so great, why astrology is so great is because these houses, one through 12, are laid out in this pie shape. It's a system of polarities. And if there's one thing human beings understand, it's polarity. That's all we deal with. Everything is compared to everything else. Everything has an opposite. We understand everything in terms of polarities. It's like love and hate, on and off, left and right, up and down, light and dark. It's it's how we define the world. So the the houses, they are opposites. They're not opposites, but they work together in polarity system. And it's a really beautiful way to understand the world. So Okay. I think I think that's it. That's it on the houses. Next up, I'll take you through the planets. And, you know, if you like this and you like any of the stuff that I'm doing, would you please let me know? I really would love some interaction and I am going to get some people on here to talk to. I just have to sort of find the right people to make this kind of fun and vibey and something you want to listen to. But if you like what I'm doing so far, give me a rating or something. I think that really helps, especially in Apple. I don't know how that works in Spotify, but I know I need good reviews. I wish I could bribe you, but I can't. So, all right, go learn some lessons. We're always learning them all the time. You can get some clarity on the lessons that you're learning if you turn to astrology, because it will point out, it'll say, oh, you're getting this teacher. Oh, she's a really hard teacher, but you'll get through it. Or, oh my God, that teacher is so fun, you know, but enjoy this teacher while, you know, he's in this room because he only teaches that class for like another six months or something. So you really want to just take advantage and love that teacher. And astrology tells you all of that. So go out there and love yourself. Go in there and love yourself. Believe in yourself. Thanks for listening.
Bye.